Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries for March the 23rd. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. We have been working our way through Romans chapter number 11 together. Uh, we have got down basically to verse number 15. So today I just want to review just a little bit since we haven't been together in a while on this subject and then pick up our study. We need to remember, first and foremost, the outline of Romans. Romans, rightly divided. Verses, chapters 1 through 3, Paul is simply stating that everyone is sinners. Everyone are sinners. Every one of us. Chapters 3 through 5, Paul is establishing how those sinners can be saved. Chapters 6 through 8, He answers how those sinners are supposed to live, or saved sinners are supposed to live and serve. So verse chapters 1 through 3, everyone is sinners. Chapters 3 through 5, how those sinners can be saved. Chapters 6 through 8, how are those sinners supposed to live and serve? And then chapters 9 through 11 is almost parenthetical in nature in that it is it asks the question what about the Jews what about them what's god going to do with them what's their plan and then chapters 12 through 16 what do we do with all of that that's really a basic breakdown outline of romans and then in verse number 1 of romans chapter number 11 which is where we pick up uh, which is the final chapter uh, in the section, What About the Jews? And it is a very important chapter because many today misinterpret it. Uh, they use this as a basis to establish that God is through with Israel. Or they'll use it as a basis to say, God has replaced Israel with the church. So they'll get into semantics and say, well, God's not through with Israel because the church is now Israel. Eh, you know, so that's why we're going through the chapter. I reject that. I don't believe the church is Israel. I do not believe in the covenant theology teaching that God has replaced Israel with the church. And they will go to Romans 11 to try to prove that. And that's why I'm working through this chapter, verse by verse, to show that that is not the case. So in verse number one of Romans chapter 11, I say, then hath God cast away his people. God forbid, for I also am an Israelite, the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, the question that Paul is writing there is rhetorical. And the answer is obvious. No, God has not cast away his people. And I took us to 1 Samuel 12, 22, Jeremiah 31, 37 to show God is not through with his people. And then bear in mind, this is a review. Go back and listen to sessions one, two, and three. Uh, verses two through four, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. 
Want ye not that the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, they have digged down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God to him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Now, notice the first part, hath God not has God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. Peter defines uh, those that God foreknew in 1 Peter 1.12 when he says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Who's the elect according to the foreknowledge of God? Peter was writing to the nation of Israel. Um, so the ones that God foreknew that Paul is writing to is the nation of Israel. Hath God cast away his people, which he foreknew? He foreknew them. Um, and again, uh, that does not mean that the Gentiles are not also foreknown, but they're just simply not the subject at hand. And Paul goes on to use the example of Elijah to show that God is not through with his people. And if you go back and look at Elijah, he was fleeing for his life. He thought he was the only one. And God said, Elijah, you know, I've reserved for myself 7,000 men have not bowed their knee to the image of Baal. So again, Paul is establishing the fact that God is not through with his people. And then verse number five, even so then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Now when Paul says, even so then at this present time, that is speaking of the time in which he is writing. It is speaking of the present time during which there was a believing remnant in Israel, but the rest were blinded. Some did accept the teaching of the gospel of the kingdom, but most did not. So this present time is speaking of at the time in which Paul is writing. Um, down in verse number 7, for example, let me get over there real quick. Romans chapter 11, verse number 7. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election has obtained it, and the rest were blinded. So when Paul says here in verse number 5, even so then at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. So he's saying there that some believed, but most did not. And of course, he'll go on to say, down in verse number 14, that it is his desire, uh, he says, if by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. That's obviously speaking of the ones that did not believe those who had rejected the teaching of the gospel of the kingdom. And understand that the context dictates that the elect is believing Israel. 
But Paul desires that the rest of them be saved as well and also become part of the elect. The elect is referring to believing Israel, not the church. The only way you can say the elect is the church is to replace Israel with the church. The church is not the elect. The elect is the nation of Israel. Remember that Israel's salvation was a national salvation. It was not an individual salvation. And that's why people get so confused. They say, well, you know, Israel accepted the preaching of Peter at Pentecost. No, the overwhelming majority of the nation rejected the teaching of Peter at Pentecost and even his second sermon. Three to five thousand, maybe eight thousand, depending on how you translate, interpret some of those verses. So at most, eight thousand accepted the teaching of Peter and the presentation of the gospel of kingdom at Pentecost. So it was a national salvation, not an individual salvation like you and I have today under the gospel of grace. Now, Paul does go on to say that it will eventually happen because of the promised covenant. What will eventually happen? The nation of Israel will be saved. Down in verse number 26, he says, And so all of Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away the ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant when I will take away their sins. So it will happen according to the promised covenant. Um, Also, verse 29 makes it clear that their election is without repentance. Look in verse 29. For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. In other words, God is not going to change his mind in regards to the salvation of the nation of Israel. So the church, and I've said this repeatedly, we are not under a covenant with God. So when it says in verse 27 that they, for this is my covenant unto them, It's not referring to the Gentile. It's not referring to the body of Christ. It's referring to the nation of Israel. We are not the church of the new covenant. We are not under a covenant. We are not the elect, as many try to claim. It's not us. And anyone that uses that is misinterpreting the New Testament. They're misinterpreting Um, what happened at Pentecost. They are replacing the nation with the body of Christ, even though they may not necessarily admit that's what they're doing. I call it soft replacement theology. And even many of my brothers who categorically reject covenant and replacement theology will turn around and say that the church is under the new covenant, which is replacement theology. Um, Notice verse number six. 
And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more of grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. In other words, their election. Whose election? The nation. The nation of Israel. Their election was of grace, not of works. In other words, God had no reason to choose them other than his grace. They didn't have to work for it. God just called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees and made a covenant with the man. It was by grace. It was God's choice. Notice verse 7. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh after, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded? What was Israel seeking? What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. What was Israel seeking? That the election has found. So obviously he's setting apart Israel from the elect. The elect are the ones that obtained it. The elect are the ones that embrace the gospel of the kingdom. They believe the teaching. But the rest were blinded. The rest of Israel were blinded. What was Israel seeking that the elect found and the others did not? According to Romans 9.31, But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not obtained or attained to the law of righteousness. What was Israel seeking? Righteousness. They wanted to be right with God. And the elect were able to find it through belief or through embracing the gospel of the kingdom. In Romans 10.3, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. It may be also that they wanted a king and a kingdom, but when the king and the kingdom presented themselves, they rejected it. So the verse, what then? Israel has not obtained that which he sought for, which is what? Righteousness through a king and a kingdom. But the election, they obtained it, and that's believing Israel. We context, context, context. There's no Gentile here. And the rest were blinded. Talking about the nation of Israel. Verse 8. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber. Who's them? Israel. He's given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. Obviously, he's talking about blinded Israel, the ones who rejected the message. And David saith, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back alway. So Paul now quotes two Old Testament passages to show that their blindness in rejecting the kingdom offer was actually in God's plan. And we see this in Isaiah 29, verse number 10. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath he covered. Also Psalm 69, let their table become a snare before them. And that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see 
and make their loins continually shake. So what is the table that he's referring to? It's coming from 20, Psalm 23, 5, the blessings and the riches of God. It became a snare. It became a trap. It became a stumbling block and a recompense to them. All the blessings that God ta- gave them, symbolic of this table that he laid out before them, and they've rejected it. And in verse 11, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall, Israel? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Why? To provoke them to jealousy. The they in this verse is unbelieving Israel. They are the ones that stumbled. They are the ones that fell. But all of Israel is in view here because they all had to believe as that it was an offer of national salvation, not of individual salvation. As such, God used their temporary fall to bring salvation to the Gentiles with the hope of provoking Israel to belief. In verse 12, now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. As a result of their fall, their diminishing, as recorded in the book of Acts. And understand, Acts is a transitional book talking about the fall, the diminishing of the nation of Israel, showing that salvation has been given to the Gentiles through the conversion of the Apostle Paul. So if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more, I mean, how awesome is it going to be once they do believe the nation as a whole? And he says in verse 13, For I speak to you Gentiles as much as I am apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. Now it starts to get a little hard for me, and this is where I've really spent a lot of my time. The Gentiles that Paul is talking about here um, is one of two things. He says, for I speak to you Gentiles in as much as I am an apostle of the Gentiles. Is he talking about believing Gentiles that are now, that now make up the body of Christ? Or is he talking about proselytized Gentiles that are now part of Judaism? Or, thirdly, is he maybe even speaking of Gentiledom as a whole? I believe it can't be Gentiles in the body of Christ, Uh, because down in verses 20 through 22, if it is, they can lose their salvation. Because in verse number 20, well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed that he will not spare you. That's a threat to the body of Christ. We are under grace. So these Gentiles here can't be the body of Christ. Now, some will say these Gentiles are proselytized 
Jews, and they are under the law, and therefore verses 20 through 21 can certainly uh, pertain to them. Or, and this is where I believe it is, it's not referring to Gentiles in the body of Christ. It's not referring to Gentiles um, proselytized. It's just referring to Gentildom, D-O-M, Gentildom. It's referring to the Gentiles, just like it refers to Israel as a whole. All of Israel, even though some of them, just because, even though some of them believed, all of Israel has stumbled. All of Israel has fallen. It has diminished as a result of the rejection of their national salvation. So I believe that when, it, when he says, for I speak to you Gentiles, he's talking about Gentiledom. Um, I also am an apostle to the Gentiles, and I magnified my office. So Paul is magnifying his ministry as the apostle to Gentiledom, to the Gentiles. And again, many today fail to distinguish Paul from the twelve. Paul's ministry was unique. They do so failing to distinguish the ministries of the twelve and equating Israel and the church as the same. They're not the same. The twelve went to the nation with the kingdom gospel. Paul went to the Gentiles with the gospel, the kingdom gospel. So I believe, and I, I may have spoken earlier and I've said before, again, this is something that I've been working through. At one point, I, I certainly rejected. I, I would say early on in my ministry, when it's talked about the Gentiles, I would have said, he's referring to the body of Christ there. No, he's not, based, based on verses 20, 21. Then I moved to, well, if he's not referring to the body of Christ, then he has to be referring to believing Gentiles, so they must be proselytized Gentiles. I don't believe that anymore. I believe that he's referring to Gentiledom as a whole, just like he's referring to the nation as a whole. Look in verse 14. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. Again, we see his desire to see unbelieving Israel saved. The day will come, according to verse 26, but Paul would not see it in his lifetime. And he says in verse 15, For if the casting away of them, the Jew, be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Again, as a result of Israel's rejection, the world, was, the world was offered salvation. This verse is almost identical to verse 12. Verse 12 says, Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. The verses are almost identical. So the message of reconciliation is the message that we as a church are engaged in today. God is reconciling. For if the casting away of them, the Jew, be the reconciling of the world, we preach the gospel of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, 
He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us, what? The ministry of reconciliation. Our ministry is to reconcile man to God through Jesus Christ. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now we are ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors. We're not part of the Great Commission. We are preaching the gospel of reconciliation, the death, the burial, and the, and, the, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors. And notice at the end, for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall be the receiving of them? Life from the dead. In other words, this will happen. The nation of Israel will come back from the dead. And next time we get together, we'll look at Ezekiel chapter number 37 in the Valley of Dry Bones. This is the born-again experience that Jesus mentioned to Nicodemus. It's the nation that is going to be born again. Some will insist that this is not a term that the body of Christ should be using. The born-again experience is for the nation of Israel, and the nation will be born again, according to Ezekiel chapter number 37. We'll talk about that a little bit next time as well. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good.